You're listening to The Final Call with Chelsea Mendelson and Anthony Perrell. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode five of The Final Call podcast with yours truly, Chelsea Mendelson, alongside Anthony Ferrero. We are so glad to have you guys back once again. I can't believe it's already episode five. I feel like we just started this. We've been rocking and rolling, Anthony, so I am feeling it. Um, today's episode is going to be about basketball a little bit. There's not a ton going on, not a lot of exciting things happening. Although, of course, I'm going to say that and something crazy is going to happen the next day. Um, but then we're also going to talk about baseball because that season is in full swing um and the draft is coming up and we never talked about the college world series at all so we're going to cover that a little bit as well like i've already mentioned my baseball knowledge not really there so i'm going to try my best to act like i know what anthony's talking about <laughs> no i'm just kidding i know i know the basics of baseball You're good. When, it comes to, when it comes to like the draft intricacies the intricate, is where you, yeah. just, you really lose me in the contract situations and I know like the extent that is on MLB the show. And then after that, nothing. I love MLB the show. I will say that. But um, yeah, we're going to start out with basketball. Um, The most exciting thing right now in the NBA is Summer League is happening. Um, I mean, it's not super exciting. You know, you just you try to make your best judgment of players that you've never seen at this level. And then even then they usually look like entirely different players once they're actually on a normal NBA floor. Um, And also we haven't seen the real summer league yet. This is just like the, the precursor summer league. If it could get get any more boring, it's the preseason of summer league. That's, that's the point where we are right now. So summer league is the preseason of preseason of the NBA. So it's not super exciting, but it, there's still like really good um, judgments and things to talk about regarding the summer league, which is why it happens. If it didn't matter, it wouldn't happen. Absolutely. Um, because then you're just risking unnecessary injury and yes. <clears throat> Chet Holmgren <clears throat> and stuff like that. So not that that was in the summer league, but you know what I mean? He's been really good. Um, we'll talk about that too. But um, the first thing I want to talk about is Brandon Miller looks really bad. I don't know if the spotlight is just too bright for him or what's going on, but he's had, I wrote it down, he's had 15 fouls in two games, which is impossible to actually do in the NBA. There's just more fouls allowed in the summer league, and this is the number two pick that we're talking about. So it's a little bit worrisome for a guy that Charlotte was really hoping to pair alongside Lamelo, and now my least favorite basketball player miles bridges is also coming back so like you were hoping brandon miller would be good and he just really hasn't been that at all yeah i i think you have to give him some grace right it's he's played two games and it's summer league still trying to figure himself out still trying to get used to the nba level um Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to my mind he may be trying to emulate his basketball idol and Paul George and trying to play really good defense, trying to get in their face. He just has to learn that that's not going to fly that way in the NBA. He has to be careful about it. Something Mm -hmm. to learn from. I was watching some people talk about Brendan Miller and his play today. 
And I was reminded that throughout the NCAA tournament this season for Alabama, he also did not look good. He didn't shoot the ball well. He didn't play well. And Alabama got bounced early. And he was part of the reason why. He just didn't look good. You're just trying to see him bounce back and find that groove. And he hasn't really found it yet. I'm not going to write him off. I'm not going to say he's a bust. I'm not going to do any of that. But there is a little bit of buyer beware here. You have to be cautiously optimistic, I guess, and hope that this is only for a little bit of time that this is going to carry on this way. I assume he's going to snap out of it. He just has to find his groove. It's always tough for everybody in any sport to really find your groove. Some people do it quickly. Others don't. It just depends on the situation you're in and what's around you. I think he'll be fine. It just kind of depends on what role he wants to take. Because if he, if the Hornets or he himself expect him to be Superman right out of the gate, be you know, the best player on the team, that's just not going to happen. That's not realistic at all. And I think it's more better for him while he's trying to work on his shot and work on the play to be good defensively and even be a rim runner. Just get take LaMelo, get the passes from LaMelo, cut to the rim, get some easy buckets like that, and work on developing your game from there. We'll see what takes place in the actual summer league, but it's a little bit concerning to see this play from the number two pick. And I will say, if you don't follow the NBA at all, didn't watch the draft, anything like that, and his name sounds familiar, this is because... Um, He was in some legal trouble a few months ago and right smack in the middle of the season. This was in February. It was found that he had bought his teammate a handgun that was used to kill somebody. Um, One of many gun related incidents with basketball in the, in the past like eight months. Um, So what I'm saying is going into this personally, I wouldn't, if I was Charlotte, I wouldn't have drafted him at two. I would have taken Scoot. Um, simply be- because of the legal issues and some other like off court stuff that I had heard about and stuff like that. And now he's kind of unfortunately proving that point. Cause I think people were very in between on him and Scoot. And I, I don't, I don't like to be a hater, especially on somebody that I don't know. And however he plays doesn't affect me. But if you're looking at it strictly from a team standpoint as a business, I wouldn't have drafted him. And right now he's he's kind of proving that that is the good thing to do. And their loss to the Warriors yesterday. Again, this is Summer League, so you take it with a grain of salt. But he had six points, seven assists, which is great. Four rebounds, which is fine. A steal, but eight fouls, which again is not even possible at the NBA level. This guy has had 15 fouls in two games, like I said. That's concerning. That's really concerning. You don't want this guy that is supposed to be maybe a future star on this team to constantly be fouling out. And that's what he's doing right now. He would have he would have fouled out more, or earlier, I should say, if this was a real game. So there's a lot of concerns with this guy on and off the court. And so I think Charlotte has reason to be concerned right now. Um, You know, hopefully for him, he turns it around, but 
right now, I mean, it's looking like that wasn't a great pick. But it's very early, so we have to see. So, to be fair to Brandon Miller, a lot of those fouls that he is picking up, they're they're reaching fouls, they're dumb fouls. It's not like he's trying to body someone and, you know, he shouldn't. They're Mm -hmm. just stupid fouls, stuff he has to learn that he can't do. I was watching... Um, the game against the Spurs a few days ago at this point in the California Classic, I believe is what they called it. And he just didn't look good at all. Um, but a lot of that was the fouls that we talked about. And it was just stupid fouls, fouls that you will look at anyone and say, what are you doing? You would think he would knock that habit while they was in college. I, to be fair, didn't watch a lot of Alabama games, except for when they were in the tournament, of which he did not look good because he did not look good in the tournament either. Um, I will say, like we've mentioned, it's early. Um, I hate rooting against these guys. Keep in mind, I <laughs> I was about to call him a kid. Yeah, he's 19, um, maybe 20 at this point. He's still young. Um, he's got a lot of room to grow, not only as a player, but also as a person. Um, I personally, you know, stuff happens. You know, people aren't are stupid. They do dumb things when they're this age. I act like I'm much older. I'm not. Um, but, you know, people do dumb things. So I, I can see it. You know, you want to see him grow and be better on and off the court. I assume he's going to do that. It's just disappointing to see that. So far, the play is not translated. And after the draft, everyone said, bad move by the Hornets at two, great move by the Blazers at three to get to Henderson. We're seeing it play out in real time so far. I don't know if the talk has gotten to his head. I'd like to say it hasn't. But that's that's a conversation we're having right now. Because we just don't know. And so I'm not going to, like I said before, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to call him a bust. It's just it's, something Yeah, it's that, too early for that. It's something it, that is happening, so we have to call it out. Yeah, it is a concern. It, But, I mean, like we both were saying, it's so early. We could be looking at this podcast four months from now and be like, wow, were we wrong? Or maybe we'll be like, wow, we were on to something. You know, you, you just don't know. Summer League only tells you so much. And, again, this isn't even real Summer League. We're not in Vegas yet. So it feels like pickup games right now. So we kind of just have to see what happens. Um, But as we're continuing with Summer League, um, Keegan Murray, you and I were talking about him uh, before we started recording. Some people were surprised that he was even in Summer League. Um, You could go either way on that. But he scored 41 points. I mean, he, he looked like a professional basketball player amongst high school players i mean he he played so so well um i had talked about it i think last podcast or the one before that i really like the kings and so i i like keegan murray and he's just he looks great um i i don't know if he can continue to play at that level throughout summer league that would be very entertaining um but he's just really good and I think people sleep on him. I, I think not a lot of people talked about him last season, which was like completely like they should have been talking about him. Like he deserves it. He's really, really good. He has a ton of potential as, as well as the rest of the Kings. So if he can continue playing like that in the summer league, 
I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. It's certainly an interesting development to see him go to the Summer League in the first place. When you're taking as high as he was with the number three overall pick, I believe, um, going to Sacramento, playing well in your rookie year, and then still being asked by the Kings to go play in the Summer League. It's interesting. We talked about it, you mentioned before the podcast. It's something that we'll see a lot of players do that didn't get a lot of playing time their rookie year, or they didn't get a lot of playing time or they didn't play well at all. If they had bad rookie years, then you'll see them go back here, go to the drawing board, see what you can do. Neither of those were the case for Keegan Murray. So it's interesting to see him play. And as you mentioned, he's been just clowning guys out there. He's playing like high school guys, essentially. That's what it looks like. Obviously, he's not. These guys are all NBA or other professional ball equivalent league talent level guys. But he's looked great. It's interesting to watch. I don't know if the Kings are trying to flex on everyone saying, hey, we have this guy. Don't forget about him. Or maybe he wants to play in the same league in the summer league as his brother Chris Murray for now until they get to the actual big stage. But good for Keegan Murray. Good to see his development and continue to rise. Just an interesting point for the Kings to continue to play him, but he looks good, so you can't fault him too much. He's one of those guys that is really young, and um, we don't really know where his career is going to go, but for now, he looks really impressive, which all you really care about with a young guy is what he looks like in the present, and right now, he looks like he could be a star in this league. I mean, like I said, his potential is so, so high, which when you're that young, I mean, second, I think second year in the league now? I mean, that's... Yeah. That's all you this can will ask be a for. Sophomore year. Yeah, yep. that's, that's all you can ask for from a guy that's going into his second year in the league. It's just to play really hard, and um, that's what he does. So he's he's really really good. Um, I've I've been really impressed with him. I was like I said, I was impressed with him as a rookie. Um, so I'm not entirely surprised by this performance. Um, but with that being said, 41 points at any level is really good. So sure. the fact that he's able to do that amongst NBA talent is definitely telling for this guy for sure. Oh yeah. It's, it's an interesting development really. It's good to see him continue to grow. Whenever guys come in and they have good rookie years, you think that's nice, but you want to see them grow and develop, especially taking as high. I mentioned earlier, he's the third overall pick. That's my bad. I was mistaken. He's the fourth overall pick. Still, taken extremely high, played well, continued to develop his game. That's exactly what the Kings want to see. He's a guy who came in, you liked the floor that he had, but what was his ceiling? He's continued to develop and show that he can be a major player, and the Kings need it. You know, De'Aaron Fox, the Mazda Bonus got the biggest extension. We talked about that. They had a lot of players on that team play well, but to see a guy who's under control for the next three years at a good price point, to see him develop and continue to get better, that's huge for the Kings to they themselves get better in a very competitive Western Conference. And the Kings are so young. Every player on that team has so much potential. I mean, that team has, like, I mean, I don't know what else word to use. They have so much potential. Their ceiling is super duper high. Um, And so I think in a 
few years, we could be talking about them as a four or five seed. Uh, oh, yeah. Right now, they're they're kind of closer to like a play-in team uh, type level. But it de- it depends. You know, they were the three seed last year. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they can do this season. I think they might teeter on that four or five range. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, with the way that the West is, it's hard to say. I say play-in because I'm thinking about all the other teams. I mean, you've got the Suns. Even the Lakers are looking pretty good. The Nuggets still have Jokic, as we talked about last episode. Um, there's just a lot of talent in the West. The West is loaded. The Warriors. Um, but, I mean, if Keegan Murray plays like this, he could definitely help bring the Kings to the next level. Are they For contending? Sure. I don't think so. At least not this season. But anything can happen in the West right now. So if all of those guys step up at the same time, maybe in a few months you know, into the season, maybe we are talking about them contending. Um, which is crazy to think about that we're talking about that with the Kings. Wasn't last year the first year they made the playoffs in like yeah. 15 years, crazy yeah. like that? Hey, like it's all, a long time. All I got to <laughs> say is hashtag light the beam. Uh, I have friends who yes. were near the Sacramento area. They're Kings fans mm-hmm. this entire season because I knew the Suns were good. I knew that they were going to make the playoffs this yeah. entire year. I was every time they'd win, I'd hashtag light the beam. I'd always go and tell them that. We were talking about Kings basketball, which is something that never happens. We're yeah. not talking about Kings basketball ever. And we finally were this season. Great for the city. Great for the fans. Um, great for everyone involved. I think that they can't. They were three seed last year. We forget about that. Mm-hmm. The teams that no, are good. No, I genuinely good, did. I thought they were lower than that. <laughs> teams that are good, the Suns and the Lakers and even the Nuggets, they don't have to be the one and two seed especially mm. with potential injury stuff going on. They could be the two, the four, the five, and they're still going to be great. They're going to be a threat anywhere. Some of these young teams like the Kings could really step it up a notch, really do some damage, and we'll see what they do come playoff time. But I, I like what they have done this offseason that kind of stood pat. But if Keegan Murray can continue to develop, and then they are getting better. Yeah, I mean, that team should be really good. Um, they're one of those teams in the West that could really take off um, when the season gets going. Another one of those teams in the West that I really like to watch is the Thunder. And I've always liked the Thunder. And the big story for them, you know, in last offseason was they get this top pick in Chet Holmgren and he gets injured during the offseason before he even steps onto an NBA court. Um, out the whole season. So he's back now. He looks, you know, stronger. He's got more muscle on him. And yesterday, he scored 10 points with 11 rebounds, two steals, three blocks. Solid. Solid. I don't even think that he played that many minutes either. So, I mean, that's really impressive for him, especially to come back from not having played organized basketball in like a year i mean he's gonna be really good he's definitely him and and wemby and scoot and maybe brandon miller if he can pull it together those are the guys you're talking about for rookie of the year and to put chet holmgren now in this new class this is like when i think it was blake griffin right didn't play his rookie year and then the next year i think he got rookie of the year or something like that i think i think so it's kind of uh, like that. 
Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell did the yes. same thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, he's he's definitely a threat. I, for one, think I got to be honest here. I think him getting hurt may have been one of the best things for his career for this yeah. season. That season to be eliminated because he was he was a beanpole. Yeah. He was. We're, we're talking about how skinny Wemby is. He no, 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 was no, no, no. skinny and tall. <laughs> And yeah. I think oh, a gust of strong wind could blow him over. Yeah. And he has gotten stronger. Now, he's not the Hulk, but he has gained. Oh, I saw the number. I, for, I'm I think it was 15. It here. I think it's around 15 pounds of really just muscle. He's not yeah, going to. He's not. He doesn't look like Giannis. But if you look at his rookie photo and a photo of him now, you can tell the difference. Yeah. You can see the muscle on him. He's going to continue to build muscle now that he's in NBA programs year after year. And that injury threat lessens the more muscle you have. Guys that tall and the way they use their legs, injury is always going to kind of be there. That's for Wembenyama. I think you're going to see that. Yeah. Kind of like for Yao Ming, as good as he was, he had a lot of injuries to deal with. Guys that tall have injury problems a lot of the time. Yep. I think him being hurt, taking the time to get stronger already without putting a bunch of minutes on his back, I think that's massive. So mm -hmm. I never root for a guy to get injured. You never you always hate to no. see it happen. Yeah. Injuries are awful. They suck. It's terrible. I think this is really going to help him long term to have that year out get stronger, gets to know the playbook, gets to know the NBA schedule, your teammates, gets to know everything about life in the NBA, get coached, the whole nine. Mm -hmm. You figured it out. You did it. I think it's going to go a long way, and I think you're already seeing that now in some of the action. Yeah, he looks like a completely different player than um, when he was in college, and he was fantastic in college, obviously. That's how he was such a high pick, but, I mean, he, with this extra muscle, that changes your game. You go from being pushed around to pushing guys around. And he's already a million feet tall. So he's already a good defender. Just when you're that tall, you are a good I mean, you can't not be a good defender. If you're not, what are you doing? Um, and so, I mean, he looks fan. I don't know how you score on him. He looks great. Um, and now he's even harder to score on. So I think that he's going to be really solid. You pair him with, with an already great, really young Oklahoma City team. You know, you've got Shea, who's one of the best players in the league now. Um, Josh Giddy is one of my favorite players to watch. I mean, that team just has so much talent on it. They should be really good. I think they're going to be really good. I think they are they might be a playoff team if Chet plays at a really high level and Shea continues to be Shea and Josh Giddy even takes a step up, which he's already really impressive. Um, that's, that's a sleeper team. I think they're going to be really good. Um, and their young talent is the reason for that. When I look at the teams across the league, I pencil. I was I was looking at, I was listening to some talk shows today, um, different sports shows, and I was thinking of the teams, at least in the West, assuming Damien Lillard gets moved somewhere in the East. Looking at the landscape of the West and thinking of the teams that are, that I think, I don't want to say I know, I think very heavily are going to be some of these top teams. And some of them, you just pencil them in. Denver, Lakers, Suns, Kings are going to be really good, I think. 
I think the Grizzlies still have a really good team. You know, the Warriors exist. Um, the Timberwolves, I think, could be better another year on that experiment. All these different teams. The Thunder, one of those teams that I pencil in right now, they're going to be a play-in team. Now, I don't know if that's going to be an 8 seed or a 10 seed or what it looks like, but they should be a play-in team. Yeah. And I don't think playoffs as even like a 7 or 8 seed is out of the question. Their coach has done really well. Mm-hmm. They've grown every year. And, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander isn't a kid anymore. I mean, he still is young, but he's not 22. Yeah. You know, he's not super young. He's capable of leading this team. They have a lot of nice pieces. And if Chet can be mostly healthy throughout the year, even defensively and rebounds, even if that's it and the jump shot and the offense is still being worked on, I think this could be a really, a really good team. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're, you know, world class. But can they be really solid and make some noise in the West? I think so. I think Shea is a couple years away from MVP talks. I, yes, I agree. I, I, I think that he is incredible. And yes. I think people forget how good he is. And then he makes an all-star team or an all-NBA team. And people are like, whoa, what? And it's like, yeah. He's been playing like that. <laughs> like, he's really good. He's been really good since he was a rookie. And people just forget, I think, just because Oklahoma City small market, um, they haven't been super great in the past couple of years. And so I think people forget about him and Josh Giddy. Chet Holmgren was just, you know, not playing. So people forgot about him, too. Um, but I, I really like the potential for that team as well. Um, I think they're in a, a somewhat similar position to the Kings, except you add a guy that has MVP potential in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So I think Oklahoma City's a couple years away from being a top seed. not Maybe not one, but definitely top three or four, especially if they yeah. can build their roster, even just one more piece to go even alongside those guys. Even with the amount of draft guys. picks they have. Oh, yeah, they have like the they control, entire draft. Like, yeah, the draft. So it's like... <laughs> Three or four years, I think. Yeah. So it's massive. Yeah. So you get another really solid guy come out of college, or I mean, there's a million different ways you could go with that team. It would be really hard to screw it up at this point from a management standpoint because they've done so well up to this point that I I genuinely believe that Shea is going to be MVP within the next two to three years, and I think that and I'm gonna I'm. I'm confident in that. We can we can come back to this when he wins MVP in 26. <laughs> and I, I just think he's really good. And I think Oklahoma City is really close, really close to being a contending team. I just don't think this is the season. I don't think next year is the season. But I think two years from now, we might be talking about them being a top three or four seed or top three or four team in the NBA in general. I, and I'll say we can bookmark this, you know, we, we can save this clip and we can be like, Chelsea's an idiot. They didn't even make the play in. Okay, fine. But right now I'm, I'm very confident that that team's going to be really good in a couple of years. I do agree with you. I think they're, you know, a couple years off from being really, really good, but I agree in the sense that SGA is really good. Is he going to be MVP in three years? 
I think he might be part of that conversation. Um, yeah. I don't think he will win it. We shall but see. But I think, but I think him being in there is already a statement on its own. Yeah. You know, only one guy. There's always. I think you could argue three to five guys are always in it every year. There yeah. Are a few years where it's only one or two. I think this year it was two, but. Yeah. Yeah. But most other years, there's even arguments for the guys at four and five. Yeah. I mean, like two years ago, we were talking about Devin Booker. Yeah. You know, and he was probably. And I think he ended up at like fourth. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always a lot of people every year. But no, they're they're a good team. They're building really well. And I'm excited to see where they go from here. Yeah. Well, that's enough basketball. The rest of this episode will be uh, baseball, which again. I'm I'm trying my best, um, but you want to start off talking about the College World Series because that was a while ago. We sort of missed that. That yeah. was like right before we started the, the podcast, so yeah, we're late so, to that. But we can, you know, it's fine. It's still cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say this: I I think watching the College World Series was just some of the best baseball I've seen all year. You know, I. Obviously, working for GCU, I watched a lot of college baseball. Watched a lot of GCU and other WAC division opponents. Conference, or yeah, watched a lot of college baseball in that matter. The College World Series was just so good. You saw a lot of really good teams go at it. I remember the first game that I really watched and got sucked into was, I believe it was Clemson. I want to say it was Tennessee and Clemson, something like that. And they went to the 14th inning in extras. Uh, I believe if I remember Clemson was up by a lot and then Tennessee came back and tied it. And then they just kept going blow for blow until the 14th. Just phenomenal baseball. Me and my parents would just watch it. It was almost a nightly occurrence. We would just turn on whatever college game was on and just watch it. And it was great all the time. Baseball is just really fun. And I, if you go back and look at the numbers, I saw a stat. This College World Series, the final, which the final was LSU against Florida. The final was the most watched College World Series in a long time. A long, long time, which is big because, you know, for some arguments to say that baseball's, you know, on the decline, what's happening? Are people actually still watching baseball? Well, yeah. We've seen this year, both in pro ball and college ball, that answer is yes, especially with a lot of the new rule changes. The right. answer is definitely a yes. So that's been massive. As far as the game, it's the games itself for the finals, LSU and Florida. A lot of great MLB level talent. I was talking to my dad about it. That's one of those series where in five, six years, when some of these guys are in the majors or at other positions around baseball, maybe they're scouts or, you know, managers somewhere. We'll see what happens. You're going to look back. You're going to say, wow, these rosters were stacked with MLB level guys everywhere. Two of those guys for Florida who beat, or excuse me, for LSU who beat Florida two to one fantastic games. Really all of them were fun to watch. Florida won one of them by a lot. LSU won one of them by a lot, but still fun to watch nonetheless. 
Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens. I'm going to start with Cruz. Dylan Cruz is a center fielder for the LSU Tigers. He is fantastic. He's probably going to be the number one pick in this draft. Definitely going to go top five, 100%. I've seen some rumblings lately. He might not go number one. He should go number one. He's fantastic. He hits really well. He has the power to go along with it. He plays very solid defense in center field. Can make leaping grabs. He can run up and make diving grabs if you need him to. And one of the best things about him is his speed. Now, we're used to GCU. We've seen Homer Bush Jr. run. He's not as fast. speed in the combine, baby. Let's go, homie. He's not as fast as Homer Bush Jr., it's hard to be as fast as I'm it's, Exactly. That's my point. <laughs> he is very fast. He's not, we compare him to Homer because we've seen yeah. Homer Bush Jr. He's not as fast as Homer Bush Jr., but he is still very fast. Which is good he, in the outfield because oh, you, 100%. you need guys running across the field to try to make those catches. Um, oh, absolutely. If you have a slow center fielder, what's the point? Like, yeah. homie's, gonna, homie's not going to get to most of that. Yeah. But for sure, um, yeah, so speed is good. This guy sounds like an all around type player. Why wouldn't he go number one? Exactly, that's that's the big thing. He's gonna number one. Um, there's a couple of other guys. Um, I'm gonna talk about Wyatt Langford, who's another outfielder for Florida. Before I gush over Paul Skeens, boy, I'm gonna save that for a second. Let's talk about Wyatt Langford. Um, he is. A little bit different of a player. He still hits the ball really well. He's not as fast. Defensively, he's good, but not as good as Skeens. He's capable for sure. His power is just ridiculous. He had multiple home runs in the College World Series final, which was three games. He had multiple home runs in those three games alone. His power is off the charts. His swing is a little unorthodox. I was reading some scout information earlier today. It's a little bit different than you might like to see, but he still plays really well. He could go number one, depending on where the Pittsburgh Pirates, who pick one, like to go, whatever flavor they like in their player. He could go anywhere there. So I just want to shout him out real fast. Okay, I'm going to gush over Paul Skeens, and I just need you to follow along with me. I will do my absolute best. Okay. So Paul Skeens was a, I remember if he was a sophomore or junior, but he was at Wake Forest. He was a starting pitcher whose fastball was around 80 miles an hour. Still good for, eh, it's good for college arm, but you want to be higher. Yeah. Traditionally. I I knew that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So he transfers to LSU and you know, they ask him what changed. He put on muscle, a lot of muscle, and he really worked on his throwing motion. Mm. He now throws a hundred mile an hour fastballs and a hundred mile an hour like sinkers. And that change happened in what a year? A year. How? What? He is, he is the epitome of disgusting. That is I disgusting. just I just need to walk you through this. Okay. I was watching a game. They played Wake Forest, who's an also it was the number one team. We're going to talk about one of their players here in a little bit. Paul Skeens was throwing 100 miles an hour right at the get-go. First pitch or two, 100 mile an hour fastballs, primary pitches. 
he ended up throwing over 120 pitches in that game. Wow. His 120th pitch was still a 100 miles an hour fastball. Wow. The reason I bring that up, because normally, first of all, starting pitchers, even in the major leagues, you're going to average right around 96, 97 on your fastball yeah. average. Some guys go above that. Some guys throw like low to mid 90 fastballs, whatever. Skeens started at 100 and he stayed at 100. When you're a starting pitcher, some of your stuff kind of goes after you've thrown a lot of pitches. Right. What starts as 97 may come down to 95 by the time you're done. Yeah. His stuff, his velocity was still sitting right at where it should be after he had thrown 120 pitches. Now you can chalk that up to adrenaline. It's a big game. He's trying to get guys out. That's fair. But he was fantastic. His only issue is command, which, you know, we'll see what he does, but he'll probably go top three as well. Those guys are all kind of locks. He's fantastic. So as we transition from the World Series to the draft, um, Cruz, Skeens, Langford, they're probably going to go top three. The other pitchers I want to talk about, Rhett Louder. He's the guy for Wake Forest in that game I was talking about earlier. Just real quickly, mid-90s fastball, but it's his off-speed pitches that are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. He just strikes guys out. That's the best way to put it. He's and not going to, you know, the goal most of the time, I think, when you're pitching. The, that's the goal. Um, that's the goal. He doesn't blow anyone away with his speed like Skeens does, but it's his other stuff. It's the change-up. It's the off-speed pitches that really get you excited. He's going to go top 10 most likely. And the other guy going top 10 pitcher-wise, Chase Dolander came into Tennessee, their ace, came into the year as the number one pitcher, the likely number two pick. And he had a down year. He gave up more home runs than last year, more walks than last year. He didn't look as good. He's still going to go top 10, a little bit of a down year. Should still be really good. I just wanted to give you some names to watch out for. So when we talk baseball and you see baseball in the next three to four years and you're watching baseball, you know some of these names. Mm -hmm. But now, well, first off, before I continue, do you have any questions, any points, any comments before I keep going? Wake Forest is good at baseball? Yes. That That's my only question is yes. I feel like when do I even hear about Wake Forest? Like football? And I don't even think they're good at football. I think like that's the only time they're I not. hear. I think like that's the only time I they, hear about. They have them. a or fun mascot. Probably. They're Those the are Demon mascot. Deacons. That's right. I knew that. I think I must know them from like the NCAA tournament, March Madness. It must not yeah. be football. I it, I highly doubt that it's football. Um, I can tell you, we might know it from uh Chris Paul. Ah, uh, Wake Forest fame. That's what it is. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I am um, even though he's not a son anymore. I am a. I've always been a big Chris Paul fan. So there you go. Even, like back to his Clipper days. Because yes. that's when I started watching basketball. It was like 2010 or 11, and he was over there. So shout out Chris Paul. You yeah, think he would come on the Paul. podcast? I don't know. We may have to maybe, grow maybe a little bit more day. before he does. Maybe one maybe day. Maybe one day. <laughs> um, so, yes, Wake Forest is good at baseball. They were the number mm -hmm. one team this year. They were fantastic. They Their matchup, they played LSU to get. 
to the finals. The winner got to go to the College World mm. Series final to play Florida. That final game was the best game in college this year. It was Skeens versus Louder. It was two top 10 picks pitching against one another, and it was scoreless going into the eighth, or scoreless, I think, going all the way into the ninth. Louder got pulled in the seventh. Skeens got pulled in the eighth. Pitching masterclass all the way around. It was phenomenal. I'm done gushing over these guys that you know nothing about. (laughs) Okay. Instead, we're going to gush over someone we know a lot about. Yes. I want to go toward GCU because we're familiar with GCU. Yeah. And we'll talk about Homer Bush Jr. We already have. We'll talk about him. I want to spend time talking about Jacob Wilson. The man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. He's going to go in the first round. Yeah. I thought he would be a shoo-in to go top 10. Me too. Yes, top 10 talent. I've seen some mock drafts penciling him as high as six to the Oakland Athletics. Mm-hmm. I've seen him at eight to the Royals. I've seen him in the 11 to 12 range. That would be the Angels and the Diamondbacks. I've seen him at 15. I've seen him at 18. And the lowest was 23 to the Guardians. Yeah. His range is incredibly huge. And the reason that is, is because the baseball draft is unlike any other draft in the sense that baseball draft is all about what kind of flavor you want in your player. Baseball, because all these guys, 99.9% of the time, you are not going to see for two to three years. Right. So it does not matter. This isn't the NBA where I like this guy. He could play right now. None of them are going to play right now. Some of them are good enough, like a Paul Skeens. You may see him next year, halfway through the year, as long as he can play well in the minors. Most of these guys you're going to see for two, three, sometimes four years, depending on how they develop and what they do. Right. Jacob Wilson has a very high floor. We've seen that means Mm -hmm. right now he is already a very good baseball player. Some of the questions I've seen from scouts and guys who do this for a living is what is his ceiling? What is his potential? Because if his floor is already so high, we don't really know where his ceiling is. Other teams may take other guys because they have a higher ceiling. Right. So it'll be interesting to see where he falls. Although I think whatever team ends up taking him, it sounds like it's going to be a steal because he is a player that hits the ball exceptionally well. His bat to ball skills are phenomenal in baseball. He does not strike out. And I cannot emphasize that enough in a game where a lot of times it's strike out or hit a home run, one or the other. So far, the past season or two has gone better with that. But for a guy that doesn't strike out, he hits the ball well, plays amazing defense at shortstop, which is a premier defensive position you want to have. The -hmm. main concern with Jacob Wilson is power. Doesn't have a lot of power. At least we haven't seen it while at GCU. Now, he'll add some muscle. Talk about Chet Holmgren and Paul Skeens adding muscle. Jacob Wilson will add some muscle. 
I'm sure that that'll help with his power, but he is a phenomenal player that America might not know yet because he's a mid-major. He's from GCU. Right. But boy, oh boy, they're going to get to know the name Jacob Wilson, and I'm excited to see where he goes in the draft. And I think the mid-major thing is important to note because you wonder if he had played for an LSU, if he had played for, you know, a team, maybe not even LSU, maybe just like ASU, you know, a team that's a a power in a power five conference. You wonder if maybe his stock would be a little bit higher, but you also talk about what he looked like at GCU. He was, you know, a top player in the conference, a conference that is a very good baseball conference for mid-majors. There's a lot of solid teams. GCU was arguably the best team and then didn't go far in the tournament at all, like in the WAC tournament at all. It happens because all those teams are so good. Um, And then you talk about his lack of power. That's not to say that he doesn't have power, because I was at several games that he hit home runs. I was at multiple games where he had game-winning grand slams. Um, so that, like you said, that potential is there. They just don't know how much potential he has, which is understandable. Um, when you're a guy that's that good at the collegiate level, how much room is there to improve? And you can't really tell when you're playing in the mid-majors because... The competition is different than it would be in an SEC, in a Pac-12. Um, so I agree, though, whoever gets him, if he really does fall in the draft, if he falls out of the top 10, if he falls out of the top 15, they're getting a steal for sure. Um, I've seen him in person. He's the real deal. <laughs> and he's very humble about it, but he he knows he's the real deal. And as we move to talk about um, Homer Bush Jr. also, I think – a really, really important thing to note for both of them that they have in common is both of them have major league dads, which is really helpful when you're growing up playing baseball is you have dads that have been there, done that, know what it takes to go to the show. And so to have that as your 24-7 coach is definitely going to help. And that's why you see all of these guys in the NBA whose dads were in the NBA. You know, you've got Steph Curry is one of the best point guards, if not the best point guard of all time. His dad was in the NBA. His brother is in the NBA. Um, you know, guys like that, Clay Thompson's dad. Um, Devin Booker's dad played basketball at a high level. Kyrie Irving's dad played basketball at a high level. Um, and you see that in baseball all the time. You oh, get yeah. all these juniors, Homer Bush Jr. Um, you had, I'm totally blanking on the name, but you had those two uh Baseball players and MLB that were on the same team, the dad and the, and the son. Ken Griffey Jr. Thank you. And Ken yes. Griffey Sr., yeah. yeah. Uh, Vlad, Guer- Va- uh, Vlad Guerrero. Guerrero Jr. is now yeah. raking at the MLB level. His dad was a big-time, long-standing MLB yeah. player. So, so yeah, you see it a lot. Big. You oh, see yeah. it a ton. You see um, – sometimes you see athletes that their mom also played – professional Mm -hmm. basketball or a professional sport if they played any sport at all your kid especially at the highest level or even just d1 your kid is probably going d1 which is so crazy like even if they play an entirely different sport but these guys have the advantage of they fell in love with the sport that that dad played 
And so dad is your coach all the time, all the time. And so you already have the D1 blood, but then you also, or the professional blood in this case, but then you also have that coach just by your side through every single step, knowing exactly what you need to do to get to the next level, you know, from high school to college to now pros. That is such an advantage that I feel like is not talked about that much. And especially with Jacob Wilson, his dad was on the coaching staff of the team he was just on. I should say was because he just left, which is unfortunate. Thank you, Jack, for for <laughs> for helping GCU be good yeah. this season. Shout out but, to the uh, Wilson family. Both yeah. Jacob and Jack. Yeah. So, you know, that's a crazy concept. And I would love to get more in depth with that another time. But at, in every single professional sport, there's at least one guy and there's usually way more than one whose dad played either or mom either played the same sport at the highest level or played a sport at the highest level. And these guys have that. And that is why they're so good. And are, it's a big reason why they're so good. And Homer Bush Jr., who we talked about for a second, is a fantastic outfielder. One of the fastest athletes I've ever seen. I don't know why GCU didn't also put him on the track team. I do know they, they happened at the same time. But, you know. He is fast. He has a, a base stealing record at GCU now. Yep. Um, and he was stealing bases left and right every single game. And there was nothing anybody could do about it because he is just that fast. And he proved that at the combine with the number one speed or number one time. Th- that is something that teams are looking at because stolen bases can change the complexity of every single game. You steal even one extra base that might turn into a run that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise if you didn't have that guy on base. Mm-hmm. Especially with the new rule changes. So yeah. the new rule changes, the bases are bigger. It's really brought more steals into the game. That's huge. Homer Bush Jr. and even Jacob Wilson are these players that are going to adapt really well to the new rule changes that are happening mm-hmm. across Major League Baseball. As far as Homer Bush Jr. goes, and again, like we both work for GCU, but I, I can say this because like I called their games, yeah. both their sophomore years and their junior years. I've seen them grow. Homer Bush Jr. grew and developed right before my eyes. Because yeah. in his in his sophomore year, he was hitting right around the Mendoza line, which is 200 average. Mm-hmm. He was striking out a lot more than you'd like him to. He was still fast, but he couldn't quite read the ball as well defensively in center field. And he would make mistakes to where like, oh man, but if he could just grow, that would be great. Yeah. He went summer last year in the Cape Cod League. Was fantastic. That's all I heard was he had an amazing summer. I said, okay, cool. Let's see how it translates. Mm -hmm. Good fall ball goes into the spring and absolutely crushes it. Yeah is fantastic offensively and defensively makes massive strides and he's probably going to end up being a fourth or fifth rounder yeah you know if a team really likes him maybe he goes as high as three i think last time i saw a, a platform i respect and do you baseball had him ready as a top 100 college prospect yeah we're going to see where that translates. You know, you're going to throw the high school guys in there into the fold, see where that unfolds. But he's going to go 
really high, and I think he's going to make the team happy. His floor, simply as a pitch runner to steal a base or to run fast in a high leverage situation, is massive. Yeah. So we'll see if the bat can continue to grow and defensively what he is. But I can see him being a staple veteran who, you know, is a really fast guy, can give you defense in the outfield and a hit if you need it. I can see him being really good. I've talked to some people. His ceiling might be up there with Jacob Wilson just because we don't really know what other their ceilings are. Jacob yeah. Wilson has a higher floor. For sure. That's why he's seen as as high as he is. Yeah. But their their ceilings are relatively around the same. Um, that just speaks to the talent that coach, now head coach, Greg Wallace, and the rest of the staff have done recruiting these players to a mid-major like GCU. Because there's mm-hmm. a handful of mid-majors in the baseball world that are really good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna the Campbell Camels. Are a team that exists. Yep. I did not make that up. That no, is a real I know. Team. No, I, I know. I, I've seen them. Um, they're really good. Indiana State was a top sixteen team and hosted a regional. Yeah. Isn't they Texas really State good. really good too? Texas State is another yeah. really good team. Because didn't we there, play them? I think. Yes, we did. GC did play them this year. There's yeah. a lot of really good mid-major teams that make noise. Yeah. GCU is trying to become one year in, year out that they hope they can host the regional. These guys help build the program there. We'll see, we'll see what they do after that. But I'm excited to see what these guys do in the draft. And regardless of what they do, I'm excited to not only talk to you guys about where they went in the draft, how I see that going, and more details about what these teams are getting from them in the draft. Yeah, I mean... The baseball draft, the MLB draft, seems even more unpredictable than the NBA draft. Um, and that's one, saying a lot. One million percent. <laughs> and there's also way more rounds. So that's definitely 20 rounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's if two anyone, in the NBA. So If anyone tells you that they know what is going to happen, they're wrong. Except yeah. for, I could tell you this. There are five guys that will be the five first guys picked. It's just whatever I, order. I couldn't tell you what order they're going to be picked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because everyone has preference, everyone you, if you're a team like Pittsburgh, you may want to take a guy to save some money so you can spend that money later in the draft. No one knows. I'm just excited to see what happens. That's going to be July 9th through the 11th will be the draft. I'm excited. There's just a little preview of it. We'll have more stuff on it after the draft. I'm just excited to once again talk baseball on the podcast and as basketball kind of has the little bit of a lull in the off season yeah we'll be coming to you with more baseball teaching more baseball talking about more baseball i'm really excited for the opportunity to do that absolutely uh with that being said i think we're gonna wrap this episode um we didn't even think we had enough content to go almost an hour but we managed so good for us but um yeah we'll definitely talk more baseball um, when the summer league actually starts, the real summer league, the Vegas summer league in the NBA, we'll talk about that too. Um, just a lot of exciting stuff happening um, in in the sports world. So, and, and we will we will continue to keep you up to date on it as much as we can because um, these episodes do go out, you know, 
af delayed after we record them. But thank you guys so much once again for tuning in to the final call. Um, follow us on social media at Chelsea underscore underscore mend at Anthony Ferrero. Also at TFC underscore sports underscore pod um, on all the platforms. We just announced that this podcast is on multiple platforms now. So you might not just be listening to this on Spotify. If not, that's cool. Great yeah, job. that was a pain in the butt. I just would like to say that. If you try to get a podcast on more than one platform, it's really annoying. But anyway, um, you know, rate our podcast on wherever you listen to it. Um, be honest. I mean, I prefer that you did five stars, but like, if you don't feel like it's five stars, then you know, just be honest. Whatever. No, it's fine. no, no, it's fine. I'm gonna <laughs> lie. You're gonna rate it five stars. Yeah, okay? rate it five stars. We're That's yeah, funny. no, I okay. I will find you. We're gonna do five oh. stars only. Oh, okay, all right. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we're so glad to be able to provide you guys with a with a pretty solid sports podcast on all the platforms now or at least you know the big ones um and with that being said we will catch you guys in episode six which will be about something you'll have to wait and see we don't we don't know yet neither do you so we'll, we'll talk to, we will talk to you guys later peace